following in Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line. Here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Sun is shining. It's another beautiful day here in the Auburn and Opelika area. Hope you're all doing well. We've got a lot to talk about on the show today. Uh, After an historic college football playoff semifinal round, two games in the semifinals that were just unbelievable. Going down in history as some of the best games played in college football playoff history, you could put them in a very big group of the best games played in college football ever. Last night's national championship was terrible. I mean, there was just it, it was impressive so, on one side and it was embarrassing on the other side, man. We're we are going to get into it in just a few minutes. It was a beatdown by Georgia. The SEC pumped its chest again. Georgia They are in the clouds right now because they are back-to-back national champions, the first one to do so since Alabama. We will talk about the game and how it went last night, why Georgia did what they did to TCU. We'll talk about it coming up in just a few minutes. But here's what's on the schedule for today. We'll talk the national championship. We'll talk Auburn picking up a couple more football recruits in the last 24 hours, or I guess 22 hours since we went off the air. There was three that Auburn picked up since then. Yeah, yeah there was there was the one that um, maybe I vaguely was referencing throughout our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one happened, I think, one minute into the drive, yep, uh, and then <laughs> there was the couple kind of surprises here over yeah. the last 20 hours or so. Well, we will talk about those coming up later in this hour, then in hour number two. Lots of Auburn basketball and college basketball talk as the Tigers hit the road to take on Ole Miss tonight, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN. So we'll talk about that, what Auburn has to do to win on the road where they are 0-1 on the road in the SEC. Of course, they lost to Georgia last week. How do they bounce back from that after coming off of a very nice Arkansas win on Saturday? We'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. Trey Wallace out today. He is flying back from California. He was at the national championship game last night, so he is out for today. Uh, I don't know why he can't call us from the plane. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just kidding. Hopefully he has safe travels. We will pick back up with him next week. But, hey, phone lines are open all show long today. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Your thoughts on the national championship game last night. Auburn football picking up some more recruits yesterday. How about Auburn basketball playing tonight on the road at Ole Miss? Your thoughts on Auburn. Can they win tonight on the road? What do they have to do to win tonight on the road? We'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that and everything else. Give us a call. 334-321-1390. And Carter, Let's get into it, man. Georgia wins the national championship. They're back-to-back natty champs in college football, and this was the biggest win in college football championship game 
history. Well, it's, it's the largest margin of victory in a bowl game ever. Ever. That's all bowl games. Now, we aren't saying BCS bowls. We aren't saying New Year's Six bowls. We aren't saying college football playoffs semifinals or, or national championships. If any bowl game ever, 58 points. Most ever. I mean, most points was, scored in a national championship game by Georgia. Yes. I mean, that makes sense. 65 points is, is so many. I mean, 38 points at half. I mean, it could have been worse, too. It could have been much worse. It could have been worse than 38-7 at, at, at halftime. Mm-hmm. Like, Georgia busts one coverage, gives up a 60-yard play, and sets up a touchdown for TCU. If, if Georgia doesn't bust coverage, we're talking like a 70 to nothing game. Literally. Like, like it's, it's legitimately... This... It, we talked about it. We watched the second half of the game for the most part. Um, together, we were... With with our our buddy Jack, Jack Hutton, mm-hmm. um, the athlete, the athlete matters. Jimmy's and Joe's matter, and that shows right here because I've talked about it before on the show. The blue chip ratio, the ratio of the, of the makeup of your roster that is made up of four and five star players, elite athletes. I tell you what, like George is at seventy seven percent. So they're well above the 50%. So the other stat that goes with it is there's never been a national championship winner with below 50% since they've been tracking the blue chip ratio. TCU, I think, is decently below that, I think. And then Georgia's at 77%. When you look at the semifinals, Ohio State's at 78%. So talent-wise... These two, like Ohio State's a much better matchup for Georgia than TCU is. And we knew that. We knew that in the semifinals. That's why I said the most difficult matchup for Georgia was Ohio State. Mm -hmm. That's a team that could give them the best game. Which is why you said that was a national championship. Exactly. Exactly. Because this is, um, and and I'll credit him for this analogy because I think it's really, really good in talking about an instance like this. Josh Pate, 247 has a discussion about the freezing point, about how you have to meet a certain threshold to hang with the elite of the elite in football, in college football especially, because you you look at, because what, water freezes at 32.4 degrees or something like that, and if you're at 32.5, you're not going to freeze. But as soon as you hit 32.4, you can freeze. Anything below that, you might freeze faster. Well, Georgia, Georgia's here, and if you if you look at the course of Georgia's season, you can see this play out with various teams. Look at their first game of the year, where they beat Oregon what forty nine to to uh, like three or whatever, forty nine three. In that game, this is an Oregon team that dom- for the most part dominated the Pac twelve. They ran up against um, they ran up against Oregon State in a game that, that that they lost. They lost a couple games. They didn't go to the Pac-12 championship, but for the most part, they were killing teams in the Pac-12. They were one of the ten best teams in the country. They lost by forty six, and then TCU goes what thirteen and one. <laughs> yeah, 
and and put up points on a bunch of teams. But they don't they don't meet that talent threshold. They don't meet that freezing point where they can compete. So they lose by 58. But but Ohio State is right there at that freezing point. Michigan would have been a lot closer. I don't I think Michigan still loses to Georgia by 21. Oh, I put it on double digits, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I 17 to 21 probably, but the, I think I think they can at least compete athletically a little bit. TCU can't. No, and I think where where I would go with that is a 65 to 7 results. That is not that is not you catching a team on a bad day. That is not being more prepared than one team. That is not just the ball not bouncing the right way. 65 to 7 in any football game at any level is pure domination. That's what that is. That is pure domination, which means you are better coached, you are a better player, you're a better athlete, you are a better team than that other team by miles and miles and miles. And that is what Georgia showed last night against TCU. That's what Georgia showed that the SEC is compared to the rest of college football. Because Georgia was good this year. Do I still think this Georgia team was great? No, I don't. I don't think this was a great Georgia team. Sure, they went 15 and 0. They won all of their games and they went on I don't think that's fair at this point. What? Going 15 and 0 through the SEC, beating LSU in the SEC Championship game, beating an, a really good Ohio State team and like going 15 and 0 it doesn't happen. This I, is a good they, Georgia this team. Is a They're a really good Georgia, Georgia team. team. I don't think, I don't put them I'm on not, great. I'm not saying that that they are the elite of the elite like I, I mean saw Barstool Sports saying who would win 2022 Georgia or 2019 LSU 2019 LSU kills them I agree I but uh, like but that is the pinnacle compared to this Georgia that you can't go 15 and 0 in college football and win a college football playoff national championship and not be great I disagree with that with that premise that's okay that's okay but I'm saying that Georgia dominated TCU because like you talked about blue chip ratio and all of that they were just better on all positions, on all spots of the field. Like, Georgia has the better coach, has the better players, has the better facilities, has the better program than TCU, and they showed it last night in a 65-7 to victory. Stetson Bennett goes back-to-back. He'll go down as the best quarterback to ever play for Georgia as of right now. He will be in the talks for best Georgia football player ever because He's he won back-to-back most, national championships. accomplished, at least. Yeah. And you cannot argue that. He's a high he's their first Heisman finalist since ninety-two. Yeah. Uh he's two-time national champion quarterback. He's the MVP of three college football playoff games. And we had a caller yesterday, Wes, right, who was visiting Auburn, big Georgia fan. He called in and said, What does it take for people to stop doubting Georgia? How about a sixty-five to seven win in the national championship game? I don't think anybody's doubting Georgia anymore. I don't think anybody is I mean, looking at Georgia and saying, well... I don't think this Georgia team is as good as last year's team. I, I, I will still say that. I agree. And again, I think there are teams in the past that would really put a hurting on this Georgia team. I really do think that. And here's the thing. We talked about it. If Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt in the Ohio State-Georgia game, Georgia does not win tomorrow yesterday because they don't play yesterday. Yeah. Ohio State beats Agreed. Georgia man for man on the field. They would have done it. Same thing happened last year. Georgia has won two championships because they were great teams. Okay, Last year's was a great team. This year's was a very good team. 
Georgia does not play yesterday if Ohio State plays them for four quarters with all of their players. Uh, it's just, just a yep. fact. And so credit where credit's due. You play who's in front of you, and you play the guy that you're against. Georgia did what they had to do, and they showed last night that they are a top program in college football. Kirby Smart showed he is a top-level coach in college football. That is a fact. But will they three-peat? They actually came out as the betting favorites to three-peat today. Did you see that? Which, which makes sense because, I mean, they, they're very, very talented. Um, they're going to lose a lot of pieces to the NFL draft just because that's what happens. But, I mean, I feel better about Georgia's program than I do Alabama, than I do Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State has two first-round receivers leaving the roster. Uh, I don't know if Travion – I think he has to come back. C.J. Stroud, they, they have a top three quarterback in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ohio State fans are, are a little uneasy right now with Ryan Day. They are. They're uneasy with Ryan Day, and I promise you well, – I, I think the, the performance against Georgia should kind of massage those It those should, concerns. but Ohio State fans have high standards. They do. I, I, I agree, but, and like, but I think you can legitimately point to – if Cade Stover, if Marvin Harrison Jr. don't get hurt, you win the game. Which if, is fair. If JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he plays, if Travian Henderson plays, you beat Georgia and you win a national championship. So injuries played a role. No doubt. You were, you were, for the second half, you were without four of your best players. For three quarters, you were without three of your best players. For the entire game, you were without your best receiver – and your best running back. Yeah. And but I'm telling you, if Ohio State loses to Michigan again next year, that would be three times in a row. That would be three times in a row that Ohio State loses to Michigan. If that happens, they will call for Ryan Day's head in Columbus. I promise. They will call for it. That's that's fine. I get that, but I don't think Ohio State's going to lose to Michigan next year. Probably not. They have more talent than Michigan. They and I think they always have and I think they always will. You kind of disagree with that, but I think they will. I mean, I, I, I think that they do have more talent. I'm not saying they will always have more talent. I think that they have advantages, but, I mean, if Michigan keeps winning, Michigan is going to make up that talent gap pretty quickly, probably. I don't think Michigan's um, going to keep winning because I don't think Jim Harbaugh's at Michigan for much longer. Well, yeah, that, that, that's what I was going to get to. I don't think Jim Harbaugh – I think January – let's say, 10th, 2024. Ryan Day is still going to be the coach at Ohio State, and Jim Harbaugh is not going to be the coach at Michigan. Interesting. Interesting. It's not a hot – I mean, it's a hot take, I guess, but it's not as hot as you would think because everybody knows that Harbaugh wants to get back to the pros. That's what he's wanted to do. And now that he's actually started winning at Michigan, people are actually starting to look at him and consider him to come back to the pros. So, And – NCAA troubles. Yeah. That came down this weekend. Mm-hmm. That he has a level one infraction on him. They have a multiple infractions against that program because apparently Jim Harbaugh just lied about everything. Just misled the, the NCAA. Uh-oh. And so what that means is this makes sense that he's allegedly looking for an NFL job. And if somebody offers him, I think he would go. I think he... I think he's tired of the setup of college football. 
I think he he has his player personnel guy that I think he he would be his GM or whatever or whatever role at his NFL team. I think that he wants to be free of the the recruiting structure, the rules structure of the NCAA and things like that. I'm with you. I think Harbaugh is he's probably done with the college game and I don't think he's at Michigan for too much longer and it's exciting to see what those two programs Ohio State Michigan will do. Georgia wins, man. They they did just win. They dominated 65 to 7 over TCU last night in the national championship game we'll have question of the day looking ahead of course college football is over it's depressing it's a sad day but it's never too early to start talking about 2023 we'll have question of the day an early college football 2023 hot take i want to hear from you when we come back you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. We'd love to hear your 2023 early college football hot take. I saw somebody talking about this on Twitter and I stole the idea because I liked it. So we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. An early hot take for the 2023 college football season because obviously 2022 is in the bag and 2023 is here. An early hot take for the 2023 season, Carter. Auburn or non-Auburn related. Or you can do one of each. Oh, I'm like... Uh, my mind is just racing with a bunch of them. <laughs> There's so many things, right? There's so many of them. Here's a not hot take. Georgia will be back in the college football playoff because they don't play anybody. Their schedule's actually a joke. It's literally a joke. It they is play, so bad. I think it's something like 11 of the 12 teams they play under have 500 five or five or, something or more like losses mm-hmm. uh, in, their, in, in the 2022 season. Including Auburn. All right, so I'm going to hit you with a few of them here. Okay. Um... Utah wins the Pac-12. Oh, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Again, is that again? Is that is that the third? Would that be the third year that they've won the Pac-12? Is that I think right? It would be right. Is that right? Uh, Utah wins the Pac-12 again. I think they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Okay. LSU wins the SEC West again. Wow. Georgia wins the SEC again. Ooh. <laughs> um, Kansas State wins the Big Twelve. Oh God! Here we go. Kansas State. That Will Howard's back. Here we back. go. Will Howard's back. Here we Kansas go. Kansas State wins the Big Twelve. Um, I'm gonna say Auburn goes eight and four, and Ole Miss goes six and six. Okay. So multiple takes for the early, a very early 2023. FSU wins the ACC. By the way, that's been a that's been a popular pick so far with a couple of guys coming back. They the quarterback's coming back, mm-hmm. and he's the best quarterback in that conference. That's been a very popular pick uh, the last 48 hours. It's a lot of people are on Florida State right now. I mean, I mean, especially when you've got like Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame. Yeah. Like you've got some quarterbacks shuffling around. Devin Leary leaving NC State, going to Kentucky. You've got talented quarterbacks leaving the conference. FSU might have the best nucleus of a team and will win the ACC because, because – the di- the Clemson ACC dynasty is actually crumbling. Oh yeah, it is. And I've talked about for years since this Clemson dynasty has been a thing in the ACC. It's it's a lot of it because of how good Clemson has been. 
but it also has a lot to do with the fact that Florida State has been a dumpster fire for a long time. And the ACC is better when Florida State is good. I'll be honest, college football is better when Florida State is good. I'm not a Florida State fan. Yes, I still have some very uh, uh, emotional um, hatred towards them for 2013, but that's okay. Florida State is a program in college football that needs to be good. When they are good, college football is good. And I think that Florida State is going to be good next year. I don't know how good. Um, I need to see some things before I buy all in on Florida State. But talking about 2023 hot takes for the college football season in 2023, if you have any, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. It can be Auburn-related or not Auburn-related. The non-hot take is that Georgia will be back in the college football playoff because their schedule is just terrible. You look at the ESPN way too early top 25, and Florida State's number four. That's how high ESPN is on Florida State right now. They have Alabama at five, Penn State at six, USC seven, LSU at eight, Oregon nine, Tennessee ten. I'm trying to think of what I want my hot takes to be. My hot take is Auburn wins nine games. I think Auburn will win nine games. I think they'll make some noise. I think that would put them at probably what? third in the SEC West behind Alabama LSU one of those two all right I've got a great one for you okay Florida goes four and eight that's actually a real possibility Florida goes four and eight have you seen the schedule do they fire Billy Napier yes I think you'd have to Florida goes four and eight you got their schedule pulled up oh yeah what is it at Utah to open the season. L. That's a big old L. L. Two weeks later, they get Tennessee. L. That beats that Tennessee team beats them. Then two weeks later, they go to Kentucky. They will lose that game. They they will lose that game. And it's it's not even so much that Kentucky's that much better of a team. It's that Devin Leary is a better quarterback than Graham Mertz. The Florida quarterback is Graham Mertz, mm. who's bad, who's yeah, really that's bad. That's rough. Um, and then two weeks, so th- then they get Vanderbilt, which Vanderbilt might be frisky in, tw- in 2023. They, they they very well might might be. But um, and then you you look at at South Carolina, they're gonna lose that game. Rattler's back, I believe, right? I believe Rattler is back. Then they go bye week. Then here's the run right here coming out of the bye: Georgia, Arkansas, at LSU. They're gonna lose all three of those. Mm. because at that point the season's cratering then at Missouri I'm not sure they win at Missouri because we are talking about this season unraveling then you get FSU like (laughs) who's now a national championship pick oh my gosh there is a non-zero path that they go three and nine that's so bad their schedule is very 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 oh that's so bad and and if that happens with Florida they will fire Billy Napier. They will. You have to. You have to fire Billy Napier if that happens. And I don't know if that's what's going to happen with Florida. I would like to think that they would improve in year two under Billy Napier, but there's definitely some some legitimacy to that. Uh, my hot take is I said Auburn's going to win nine games. Uh, I'm trying to think of more in the SEC, uh, but just outside of college football, I think – Here's my hot take. Oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I was going to pull the trigger, but I can't do it. I'm trying to, Florida State will not win the, the ACC. There's my hot take. They're not actually going to win it. 
Alabama will get second in the SEC West, either behind LSU or Auburn. I don't think Auburn wins it, so I'm going to put LSU there. I don't I'm, think Alabama wins the SEC West. I'm going to adjust my Ole Miss 6-6 six and six and say they go 5-7. and seven. Even worse. All right. Speaking of Alabama, did you see Alabama Twitter last night who was trying no. to claim that TCU, because they got blown out, that it should have been Alabama in the championship game instead of TCU? Not the playoff. No. They said Alabama should have been in the championship game against Georgia. No. I said, what? You cannot be a two-loss, non-division winner and expect to be in the college football playoff. It doesn't happen. The only two-loss team that we've seen that reasonably had the, what, the argument to get fully in would have been 2017 Auburn winning the SEC championship. Yeah. Because they won the division and would have won the SEC. It was ridiculous. Alabama fans wanted Alabama to be in the championship game last night because TCU got their doors blown off. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. When we come back, we'll talk Auburn football and recruiting coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob, go with Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, you would think that with all of the guys that Auburn football has signed in high school and they've gotten to commit from the transfer portal, and after a huge weekend on the plains, you'd think, all right, Hugh Freezing staff, they're probably done, right? Nope. They got even more. In the last 22 hours since we went off the air, they picked up multiple guys again coming in for 2023. And it seems like it's almost, it it, it seems like we're having the same conversation just about every day. But Carter, it's exciting because we get to talk about different guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, watching this roster get built out, I mean, Auburn a week ago, a week and a half ago, maybe had two transfer commits, now they have 10. Now they have 10. And guess what? They are the number four transfer recruiting class in the country right now, according to 247. Like, this group is really, really good. And the additions of the last 24 hours are something to be very, very excited about. You look at uh, Nick Mardiner was the receiver commit that happened right after our show ended yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I figured it was going to happen right, right around 4 o'clock. I think it happened at 4.01, so he was a minute late for me. But uh, it's okay. I'll, I will forgive him for that. But uh, he's a player. He's very big. He's a skill set that Auburn does not have. He's six foot six. He's 200 pounds. And when you look at him statistically, this past year, the numbers are fine. 19 catches at Cincinnati, 218 yards, three touchdowns. By the way, those three touchdowns would tie him for the uh, 2022 season lead for Auburn in receiving touchdowns because Javarius Johnson had three. Uh, And part of that's because Auburn only had, what, nine passing touchdowns all season? Mm -hmm. Uh, But So you have that. But if you look back at his history a little bit more, there's all the more reason to get that much more excited. Because 
Where was he from 2019 to 2021? He was at Hawaii. You know who was at Hawaii? Marcus Davis, the new receiving coach at Auburn. At Hawaii in 2021, under Marcus Davis, Nick Mardner caught 46 passes for 913 yards and five touchdowns. Auburn would kill for that. Those numbers Not too bad. Year. Not too bad. Auburn hasn't had a receiver, receiver do that since Darvin Adams. Yeah. Sammy Coates. So I was going to say Sammy Coates, yeah. If, if, if Nick Mardner can give you half of that with the guys already in the room, because I think Camden Brown will emerge as the number one guy. If Nick Mardner can give you 450 receiving yards with what you already have in Javarius Johnson, with what you already have in Camden Brown, with what you already have in the other freshmen in that room, in Amari Kelly, in, in uh, Jay Fair, that are going to be sophomores this next year that showed flashes, Amari Kelly might have the best catch in that receiving room this year. A ball that was tipped, and he one hand caught it somehow. Um, Landon King's coming back. He's going to put up numbers. Rivaldo Fairweather. This, these, this group of pass catchers all of a sudden goes from very pedestrian to there is some potential here. Coy Moore is back. Mm-hmm. Whatever you believe his ceiling to be, he's back. And 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 here's what is is cool to look at because the wide receiver room throughout the season and coming into the end of the season was a huge question mark, right? It was one of those it was one of those rooms where we had concerns and Auburn fans had concerns of who in the world's going to catch the football. And now Auburn has gone after and gotten some guys in the receiver room from the transfer portal. And I think Auburn's going to be okay. Are they just absolutely stacked at wide receiver? No, but they've got some dudes who I think can really make some plays and make Auburn better in the receiver room. Now Mm -hmm. the question becomes who's going to be throwing them the football. And again, that's where the transfer portal comes in. We believe Auburn is going to go and find a quarterback in the portal. And if they I, I go also, get somebody, I would not be shocked if Auburn adds another offensive lineman or two. Mm-hmm. I think you're definitely going to add at least one more offensive lineman. I think you're going to add a quarterback, and I think you're probably you probably might add one more receiver. I think that that would be a rather smart group. By the way, of the players that meet the minimum snap requirement, or actually of all of the Auburn receivers that played this past year, Nick Mardner would have the second-highest-pro-football-focused grade on Auburn's roster this past season behind Javaris Johnson. Wow. Second-best receiving grade. And I believe he would have, of the receivers, they didn't run block very well at Auburn. But he'd be top seven or eight if you take away all of the... Uh, I mean, if you if you include the snap minimum mm-hmm. to, to register, he'd be the best blocking receiver of Shedrick Jackson... Javarius Johnson and Coy Moore. Which is important. It's very important, especially yeah. in a Hugh Freeze type of offense where he likes to spread it out a little bit, get out and run. And especially if you're going to be running the quarterback, you need a receiver to pick up a block so your quarterback doesn't get leveled when he's trying to run out on the edge, right? By so, the way, his pro football focus grade in 2021, 75.6, which is would be by far the best on Auburn's roster from 2022. No doubt about it. And so it seems like Hugh Freeze and company have again gone and they have addressed the positions of need, which I think is just so important. And you would think, right, some people may sit there and say, well, yeah, you. it's easy to look at positions that you need to fill guys with and just go and get some. But 
Auburn has not done that in the past five to seven years. They have not done what they've needed to do and not addressed the positions that needed to be addressed. And they finally have a coach and a coaching staff that will do that and will go and get offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, wide receivers, guys that Auburn has not had or has not had depth at in years. And it's so nice to see. That they're, it feels like this staff has a really detailed plan and they're executing it. I feel like at times Gus Malzahn didn't have the most detailed plan. Uh, I felt like he went and got out a lot of on paper talent, but when you don't go get, by the way, from 2017 to 2022, do you know how many offensive linemen? We we will talk about this in a second with Avery Jones. This is just to, to talk about the plan that is being executed by this staff. Do you know how many offensive linemen signed with Auburn? Since twin? 2017 to 2022. Was it four or five? 16 offensive linemen signed with Auburn. Oh, at, at oh okay. Position, not, okay. Not tackle offensive linemen. Got you. Total, total, total. Okay. Do you know how many Hugh Freeze has landed in the last month? Eight. Half. Literally Eight. half. That's insane. That's unbelievable. That's, that's unbelievable. That's an indictment of Gus Malzahn. That's an indictment of Brian Harson. Brian Harson and his staff, I don't think they had a plan, and I don't think they executed anything because I think that they were uh, they were born on third base at Boise State and thought they all hit triples when they didn't, they didn't realize the effort it took to recruit at a high level, and they were at a program that recruited itself because of what Chris Peterson had built. I think that is exactly what happened with him. What what Hugh Freeze is doing, it makes it it's all the more crystal clear how bad of a football coach Brian Harson is. How he did not understand the responsibilities of his job and his staff didn't either. And the lack of leadership. Because Hugh Freeze is doing a much better job. He's doing the best job I've ever seen an Auburn coach do in this short amount of time. No doubt. Ever. And, and that's the thing is you can you can sit here and we can sit here and talk about how bad the Brian Harson era was, but this goes back way farther than that. I mean, this goes He's, deep. There's more effort than I think there has ever been as a Auburn coach when it comes to talent acquisition and building a roster. Which is something that we talked about with Hugh Freeze when he was one of the names circling to be the Auburn job. I'll admit, and you can go back and listen, I was not the biggest Hugh Freeze fan. He was not my number one choice because I didn't know what Auburn would be getting with Hugh Freeze. But I did think that if he got another SEC job, and I thought this for years, if he got another shot to coach in the SEC, that he would take advantage of it. And sure enough, he's doing that right now with Auburn. And again, we don't know what this team's going to look like in the spring, what they're going to look like through the summer and fall practice, and once they actually hit the field in August. But so far, talent acquisition has been just about as good as you could get. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you legitimately, you have brought in five offensive linemen, and it's not even including the freshmen, where legitimately, and we, we will talk about one of these three new additions right now, Avery Jones, the East Carolina center, really good player, Really uh, good I think player. He's a top five G five center, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. One of the best pass blocking centers in the country. He commits to Auburn this morning after being committed for three weeks to Illinois mm-hmm. in the transfer portal. That is a huge steal. That is a coup right there to to flip him. And that's another one of these flips that Hugh Freeze has figured out a way to manufacture in a month on the job. And what that does 
is now you legitimately can make an argument. You have five guys you feel confident that you can start on the offensive line. Gunnar Britton at left tackle, Jeremiah Wright at left guard, Avery Jones at center, Isaiah Miller at right guard, and Dylan Wade at right tackle. One of those guys was on the roster this past year. Mm -hmm. And he barely played until Brian Harson was gone. And then he got on the field and he realized, oh, oh wow. this guy can actually he's the play. He's run blocker on the team. And yeah. he's got that mean nastiness to him that you need on the offensive line. And apparently, he just couldn't get on the field under Brian Harson. Don't ask me why. Very confusing. But Avery Jones is a great addition to this roster. When you look at him, he is one of the best centers you can find out there uh, for Auburn to go grab. And I think you it, Auburn fans should be extremely excited. Number 89 center in the country, according to Pro Football Focus, of anybody that met the snap requirement. Really good pass blocker. 78.7 pass block grade. Which is that what is Auburn really, needs. Really, really good. He had 852 snaps this past year. Again, that's another 800-plus snap guy coming in the door in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Experience now, is so important, man. It's so important, especially with the offensive There are line. three guys coming in the door that have twice, more than two times the amount of experience of all of Auburn's returning offensive linemen combined yeah. from 2022. And just think about what that does for a team who is trying to rebuild and a team that's trying to get the offense out of the grave you're bringing in offensive linemen that you don't have to teach the basics to, right? You can put these guys on the field and say, go be your position, and they're going to do a pretty good job. Now, Hugh Freeze and company can make them better and develop them more and fit the system and teach them some new things, but you don't have to teach this guy how to be a, an SEC Division I college football offensive lineman. Same thing with any of the other guys you're getting out of the portal at any other position because Auburn's not going after dudes that just rode the bench at their other school. Auburn's going after guys that played at their other schools. And they are going to come to Auburn and play and be immediate, instant impact players. These are, these are experienced veteran guys. Gunnar Britton. He has one more year left to play. He's played a lot in his career. By the way, as impressive as he he grades out right now, we didn't talk about this yesterday. We haven't talked about this to this point. I think Jason Caldwell had this note on 247. He talked about when he met Gunnar Britton in person on his visit and when he's in, I guess he's enrolled right now, how much bigger he looked than when Auburn played Western Kentucky a month and a half ago. You want to know Why? Right before the season, he had an abscessed, abscessed tooth, and he could not eat solid foods for three weeks. In those three weeks, he lost 27 pounds. Wow. So he played the entire season the entire season underweight and still was really good. He was really good. You're going to see him this year put all that weight back on because it's it's really hard to add weight in season. It just it, yeah. You don't do it. You, you change your body in the offseason. So the fact that he played underweight, he played underweight the entire season. He will be in the Auburn Strength and Conditioning Program. He will get a lot bigger. Uh, he will get a lot stronger. And you might see him legitimately play his way into the NFL, and it might be a decently high draft pick. Yeah. And so that is something to keep an eye on. We, I mean, we, we can talk about the other addition here after the break because we are, I mean, I, I, we got a little off topic talking <laughs> about these, these additions. We got fired up talking about Hugh Freeze. But, but, uh, that's, a, but that's okay because – 
it's a miracle because we can actually talk about that, <laughs> right? We can actually talk about an Auburn coach that has gone and recruited and going to get good players at high school and good players in the transfer portal. When we come back, that's exactly what we'll do. We'll wrap up the hour talking about the one other player that Auburn picked up uh, in the last 22 hours. We'll talk about that, wrap up hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Carter, before we get back into Auburn football talk, do you know what today is the anniversary of? It is, what, 12 years ago today that mm-hmm. Auburn won the national championship? It is 12 years ago that Auburn won the 2010 national championship game against Oregon in the BCS national championship game. So there you go. That, that'll make you feel a little bit better, even though Georgia won last night. Auburn won 12 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I, I saw somebody tweeting about that, actually. I find that very, very funny. But uh, Crazy how long ago it was, man. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it's going to be um, – interesting to see if how quickly and how high Auburn can climb with this new staff because I do think that I'm not going to say that they're going to win a national championship but I think that they're the ceiling's going to be a good bit higher than it's been for the last several years I would say so well there's one more player that Auburn picked up since we were on the show yesterday and this one was like a total surprise it was very here. surprising like like I had I had I had heard a lot of buzz about Mardner I knew that that was going to take place yesterday. I had heard a little bit of buzz yesterday, actually, about Avery Jones. Um, but Brian Batty, I, I I knew the visit went well. Yeah, Set I mean, we South knew Florida, the name the and South we knew Florida the visit. Back. I knew the visit went well. I thought he was going to take a visit to Colorado. And um, sure enough, he commits to Auburn yesterday. And if you've seen any of him or his film, he's a stud. He is small. He is small. He's five foot eight, 170 pounds. But... He is a really good running back. This past year on a South Florida offense that was awful. Horrible. Awful. Jeff Scott's offense was horrendous. 176 rushes, 1,186 yards, 8 touchdowns. Had 14 catches for 91 yards as well. The bonus here, he's an All-American return man. He had 33 kick returns for 659 yards the year before. 20 kickoff returns, 650 yards, three kick return touchdowns. That's awesome. That's a that percentage is unbelievably crazy high. That's amazing that his numbers were that good. Also, if you wonder how he's going to hold up in the SEC, well, let's look at how he did against Florida. Against Florida last year in a game where, thanks to the performance of Brian Batty. A bad USF team took Florida down to the wire and mm-hmm. arguably should have won the game. He had 17 rushes, 150 yards, and a touchdown. Had a couple grabs for seven yards as well. Against Cincinnati, a team that was in the playoff two years ago. 23 rushes, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Like, he performed. He finished the season with five straight 100-yard games, including a 12-rush 106-yard, two-touchdown performance against Houston, who's now going to be in the Big 12. Uh, 19 for 144 against Central Florida, who's going to be in the Big 12. Cincinnati, uh, Houston, and and Central Florida all in the Big 12, actually. Uh, Ironically, how about this? 
USF last year played all four teams that are going to be the new additions to mm-hmm. the to the Big Twelve because they played BYU in game one. Oh wow! And I don't think um, USF realized what Brian Batty was uh, at that point in the season because he only had five touches. He did have a touchdown against BYU though. He's a stud, man. And look, you add that to a room that's already built and stacked with what Auburn has with Jarquez Hunter and Damari Alston, like studs, man. I'm the room's sure, built. I'm pretty sure he would have the best running back grade on Auburn's roster in 2022. Uh, I'm going to double check that here in a second, but he has the 10th highest rushing grade. So when he when he has the football in his hands and he's running the ball in the country. That's behind the likes of uh, B. John Robinson, Blake Corum, Zach Charbonnet, like some of the best backs in the country, Eric Gray at Oklahoma. He's really, really good. Also, Frank Gore Jr. was on here. Frank Gore Jr. graded out as the fifth best back, according to Pro Football Focus, this past year. How about that? Really? I wouldn't have have guessed that. That's what some uh, like elite family like genetics, I guess, does for you. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But, yeah, I mean, Auburn this past year – had, let's see, I'm a pro football focus always loves Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby was the 79th ranked back, and his run uh, run grade was a 90.4. For uh, for Brian Batty, he was a 91.6, and at 87.4, the 35th ranked back according to Pro Football Focus, according to their grades. He's a really good player. And again, you're adding that to a room that's already got some studs in there. And you're adding him, you're adding a dynamic special teams player. Which is huge. Huge that Auburn can have a guy in special teams. We know how Auburn struggled in kick and punt returns. I think that this allows you to not have Jarquez Hunter return kicks, which I I always get nervous when running backs return kicks. You're starting running backs. you know the type of violent hits on kick returns and you know how many hits your running back takes anyway auburn and hugh freeze they continue to pick up guys from the portal it's always fun to talk about it's exciting to see we'll talk auburn basketball coming up in hour number two the following is an auburn network production Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. It's another beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area as hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On the Line is in the books. That means hour number two is officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, uh, we talked about the beatdown of the national championship game last night as Georgia goes back to back. They beat TCU uh, a lot to a little. We talked a lot about that 
in the first hour. Also talk to Auburn football as they pick up some recruits yesterday from the transfer portal. So uh, Auburn and Hugh Freeze continuing to get guys out of the transfer portal. So if you missed any of that from the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. You can catch up there. You can find it ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You'll find it commercial free right there or wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line. But here in hour number two, we're about to get to the phone lines. They are open the entire second hour. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We're talking Auburn basketball. We'll talk some more college basketball here in this second hour. But we'll start the second hour with going to the phone lines. Again, the number 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Thanks, guys. I heard Destiny was hanging out somewhere around the TCU players' rib cage because Destiny got shoved straight down their throat, straight up the rear end. <laughs> wow. Well, so Terry, Terry, do you have anything to say for yourself after TCU's performance yesterday? Performance? They performed? <laughs> Terry, they showed up, I Terry, think. <laughs> I, I, I was watching the game with Jacob, actually, and and when things started turning south, I I looked at him and I said, hey, we, we got to give Terry a hard time because Terry's been patting himself on the back ever since Brian Harson got fired. About he's, he's been right about everything, and he's finally wrong about something. Well, uh, that's that's just a – that's look – Look, guys, I have opinions on everything. A lot of time, a lot of things, not everything. But, but I think the one thing the three of us can agree on is a national championship should not be decided by fifty-eight points. I'm oh, with agreed. you on that. I mean, uh, Terry, it's the, I, it's a legitimate case for the worst championship game in all of sports. In all of sports. It, is there any way to know what the ratings were in the second half? Because I got a feeling a lot of people turned it off at halftime. I don't know. The problem was, Terry, there was nothing else on besides NBA. I mean, I, I kept up with the Celtics game, but there was no college Terry, basketball Terry, to put on. I so think the only thing that saved some of the second half ratings was some people were hanging on to see the, uh, the, <laughs> the that new Ant Man trailer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good point. I mean, <laughs> it, I just, yeah, it was bad. I mean, come on, twelve team playoff because. It's just, it's just, it's just hypocrisy that a team can win, win one upset and they're in the national title game. Because that's what happened to TCU. They upset Michigan and they were in the national title game and got their brains beat in. Yeah, and you know it, it, it happens, right? And and I think TCU deserves to win that game in the semifinal because of how Michigan played, right? Michigan turned it over, TCU took advantage, and they just flat out outscored them. Uh, but when they played Georgia last night, I mean, it was it was a talent issue. TCU, we knew this going into it. They just could not line up with Georgia man for man, position for position. Well, I guess if you look back at it, and I mean, Alabama clobbered Kansas State, who clobbered TCU, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly, which just shows so, how good the SEC really is, Terry. I, I don't disagree the SEC is that good. I just don't think they're 58 points that get better. So is that is that a, a knock on TCU or on the SEC? Yeah. yeah. On TCU? That's fair. Yeah, TCU, I, I mean, right. but right. so – do you think if Michigan were to have beaten TCU, I, I think it would have been closer, but how close do you think it would have been, Terry, if it were Georgia-Michigan? Oh, I, Georgia I think Georgia wins, but I think they win something like 42 to 30. You know? Okay. Like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's sort of what we said. Carter said like 17 to 20-point victory for Georgia over Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I still think Georgia's the best team. I don't take that. Agreed. No doubt about that. Uh, let me ask you guys a little bit of a recruiting question. Mm -hmm. Are you guys as nervous as I am about Cedric Cobb Oh, oh, Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Jeremiah Cobb over, Jeremiah Cobb over in um, Montgomery. This guy hasn't signed yet, and 
I've, I've, I've heard this song and dance before, most recently with George Pickens, all about Auburn. I wanted to play with Knicks. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. And then the day comes and he signs with Georgia. I've got a bad feeling about it, guys. Terry, I, I, I don't feel that worried about it, to be honest, because he's been locked in about as long as anybody else in this class. Uh, he hasn't given, to me, really any indication. I just think he wants to to sign with his his teammates that uh, I think their their ceremony is coming up here on the February signing day and that and that's been his his thing the entire time. Uh, I mean, I know that there were murmurs about him going to Georgia, but I think since then Georgia's picked up maybe two running backs. I like, I just don't see it happening. Uh, he's that's all well and good, but again, that's and I, I appreciate what you're saying, Carter. I respect it. But at the same time, that's the same thing we heard about in your George Pickens. That's which, the same line. Which is fair. Yeah, and you know, there there should be a little concern if a guy's hanging on that long. I don't think it means anything, Terry, to be completely honest with you. I still think he's going to be with Auburn. I still think he's going to come here, uh, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, I mean, you, just, you guys were just talking about the running back from South Florida came to Auburn. Now, he's a you know, tiny little feller. Uh, so, but and and Cobb is bigger, of course. But hey, if they, you know, they're they're really that's one position. There's not as much of a need. Let's be honest. You're right. You're right. But I mean, well, Terry, Auburn's Terry, always going to take running backs, though. Terry, I think you sure you, you need to have four guys in that room, the four guys that you feel confident in, and and I think getting getting a fourth guy was important because I mean, look, you you see at positions like quarterback and running back how thin it can get. I mean, TCU they were down to basically one guy. Ohio State against Georgia was basically down to like one or two guys because of all the injuries. I mean, four guys is necessary at the running back position. I mean, Georgia played four, three, four backs in that game, and they all played well. You need guys that can rotate. We saw 2017 what it was like for Auburn when they just rode Carrion Johnson into the ground. You need depth. And so that's all I think this, this addition is. And plus, it gives you a different skill set in that running back's room because he is your smaller, shiftier guy. I think he's right. a little – I think he is a better player than Sean Shivers. I think he's got more lateral movement to him. Uh, he may not be the guy that lowers his shoulder and tries to run through somebody at 5'8", 170, but he's a really good – he's a patient runner when you watch him run. At 5'8", 170, he ain't got much of a choice but to be a patient runner. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're but, right. Um, so he, he does a great job of sitting behind the offensive line because he is so little – Linebackers mm-hmm. lose him behind the offensive line, and it's oh, hard sure. to find him. Now, there was the running back guys that uh, that um, Hugh Freeze had at Ole Miss. It was like the real small guy. I cannot remember his name. I want to say Dexter something. He was a small, small guy. You're talking about Dexter he, McCluster? I think that was before Hugh Freeze. That was before you? Okay. okay. I wasn't sure. But I was thinking he had. I was thinking he, he was there with Hugh Freeze for a year or two. He, he did have, he he did have uh, some pretty good running backs. I have not... Uh, I'd have to go back and look at him. I, I, I saw something about it yesterday, uh, but I'm, I'd, I'd have to, to dig the stats back up. And they're an offensive lineman out of Baylor supposed to make a decision tonight? Yes. I. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where Auburn stands with that. I'm, I think Nebraska is is maybe the the group that uh, people may expect him to sign with just because when he was at Baylor, when he was going to Baylor, he Matt Rule recruited him to Baylor for two years before mm. he ended up leaving for the NFL. So like he didn't, I guess, finish off the the recruitment. But there's a 
familiarity there that may not be as such with Hugh Freeze and this Auburn, st- Auburn staff. Well, let me go and make a prediction. The most popular people in Jordan-Hare State make sure we the people on the program because that's they're going to need to know who the players are. <laughs> hey, you know what? And that's okay, Terry. That's a good thing that's coming really, into 2023. It's a great thing. Yep, you're right. It's a great thing. And, and by the way, I think TCU was 5-7 and seven last year. Yes, they were. And Auburn was 5-7 and seven this year. It shows. It can be done with a new coach. That's fair. It Just can be done. Right I, think, I think Auburn's got a probably a more difficult run through Alabama and Georgia than uh, sure. TCU sure. does. Sure. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. Take care. Appreciate the day. call, Terry. Terry. We appreciate you calling in. That is Terry joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Wes has been waiting very, very patiently. And before you come on, brother, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I mean, it means a lot. Uh, uh, I uh, I thought guys to win last year, you know, in Jacksonville, uh, watching the game last year over Alabama was monumental, obviously, with the three championship game losses to them to, to break through. I thought that was the greatest win of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played ball, and I've been associated with Georgia since. 1976. Oh, wow. I thought it was the greatest win of my life. Uh, it got topped last night, and the reason why yeah. uh, the anger, I touched on it just a little bit, the <laughs> anger and the disrespect of this Georgia team by national media and people came out last night. They had to hold it in all year, but it came out. I knew it would because they didn't have another game to play. Paul Feinbaum had mentioned that the Georgia team received the least respect ever he'd seen of a national champion. Uh, They played with a chip on their shoulder all year uh, with an attitude led by Kirby. I noticed that the first word out of his mouth on the sideline was aggression. Yeah. And that was unbelievable. Yeah. It was, uh, they mentioned, Guys didn't quite come out and say it, but when you have a starting quarterback in the SEC in Eric Ainge make a comment, and I reread it again today, of a player like Stetson Bennett and what he's done on the field, that was another huge mo- When I read those remarks, and Jacksonville, I knew we were going to win. There was no doubt in my mind we were going to win then. Calling a guy like that a punk. Yeah, that I wasn't a fan of that either, man. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that quote either. You might not like Stetson Bennett. You might not like the kid. But what he's done on the football field, four touchdowns and two running last night. Case closed. Yeah. It, he's going to go down as one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. And Eric Ainge must feel like a moron today. Yeah, yeah, I will. Stetson Bennett, he is, he has proven all the doubters wrong. He has, he has proven all the doubters wrong, and people, and people can and still will hate on Stetson Bennett. Uh, but he will go down as one of, if not the best Georgia football player to ever play. Yeah, yeah. You know, talking with Georgia people today, uh, uh, my brother went to Georgia. You know, I got a lot of friends, and uh, he's definitely it's either one, two. I put him. And I love her, but I put him number one. I'm sorry. I put him number one because, number one, it's harder to win a championship now than Walt Walker played. You've got to win three games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's harder than one. Uh, 
Oh, I've honored one. You've got to put yourself out there three times to win it. Uh, it's it, if you play in a conference championship game. It's so much harder to win. And I saw the statistics today of his four CFB. He threw 15 touchdowns and one interception. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I mean, that is that is. I'm sorry. Even if you're not a Georgia fan, that is ungodly. It's good. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's great. Incredible quarterback play, and I played quarterback, so that's the first. As soon as he ran it in from 21 yards out, I knew we were going to win. Also, I mean, it was just. <laughs> I agree. He is such a great athlete. He's overlooked. He, guys, thanks for letting me on. Do you you guys want to say anything to me? Congratulations, well, man! And well, I'll be honest. I'm surprised that. And I know I understand your reasoning. I am surprised that you yep. said to you last night was a better victory than last year's national championship. Yes, yes. You know, the reason is that surprises the disrespect, me. The disrespect Georgia received all this past year. Understandable. And people not quite believing uh, that this really did happen. Yeah. Uh, last year we did beat Alabama. This was a statement game. And I think if Georgia could have scored 100 points last night, they could they have. Would have. Yeah, they I, I, I 100% agree. It, they didn't let up one bet in the second half. They wanted to run it up. They did want to run it up. Mm-hmm. They did want to run it up. Well, and and I'm glad they did. If he could have scored 80 points last night and throw to the end zone with 70, he would have. Yeah. I mean, he what? wanted to make a statement to college football last night that all the disrespect we received this year including all those game days and Lee Corso picking against us in every damn game, he wanted to show the world. Uh, I agree. Uh, his, his anger came out. Oh, I mean, his I his, his uh, pregame speech that ended yeah. up leaking on social media seemed to echo that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, this, this was the weirdest year I've ever seen out of a yeah. defending national champion because Georgia wasn't talked about all year. And it's it, and it, it, part of it is like because I I almost think that everybody just knew Georgia was going to handle their business and everybody was like there, there's the new flashy shiny object in Tennessee yeah. and uh, was Alabama going to get back in there and then you had I mean there were other narratives that people got infatuated with I agree with you I think that Georgia didn't get the recognition all regular season that it deserved I think that yeah. this was the most dominant championship game we've seen in sports uh, and then also. I mean, I think it'd be an interesting discussion with with most Georgia fans. Which which game, which championship means more? Because last year you you in the streak of what forty one years, and then this year yes. you go back to back, like you said, after not getting the proper recognition that it feels like this team deserved. Well, I you know the uh, and I've talked about tough loss or two. Uh, when you I've told my girl when you play at the top, when you play at the elite level. You're going to suffer tough losses. Mm-hmm. There's nobody in the history of college football who has suffered tougher losses in Alabama. Alabama was 14-0 and a couple of years back with Jalen Hurts playing Clemson, and they lost a perfect season, a national title on the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. That's as tough a loss as you could possibly imagine. I suffered one with the Alabama championship game. Yeah. Georgia was one play away from three national titles in the last six years. We totally outplayed them. We led the entire game. The only time Alabama led that football game was when they made the play at the end of the game. That's the only time they led. Okay? That's the only time they led that 
Yeah, yeah. And so I thought we outplayed them then. That was as tough a loss as I've ever suffered. So you're going to look at Ohio State. I've been reading about them. Ryan Day, they know that they had maybe could have beaten Georgia, and they know in their heart that they would have handled TCU. Oh, yeah, no doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You suffer tough losses when you play at the top. That's mm-hmm. right, 100%. That's a, that's a part of it. I mean, you can't be any tougher than what Alabama suffered this year. Here's the here's my opinion. The three best teams, okay, were and Michigan is not one of them. The three best teams were Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, uh, without a doubt. And Alabama would have beat TCU last night. Agreed. Ohio State would have Agreed. hammered them as well. Uh, uh, so those were the three best teams. Uh, Alabama is always going to be a team to beat. I have great respect for Bama, obviously, but I guess Ohio State suffered as tough a loss as you could possibly imagine. They 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 played a perfect football game. They led by 14 points twice, and they still lost. But Wes, you're so exactly I right. I, is I yeah, you're exactly right. The path is not easy, and sometimes you got to go through heartbreak to get to to get to the promised land. Man, we're up against a break. Right. It's good to hear hey, from you, man. And I gotta go too. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Bye. man. We appreciate you calling in, Wes. That is Wes, the Georgia fan, calling in, talking about a national championship last night. We appreciate him calling in. Susan, hold on. We're gonna get to you right after the break. Phone lines are open. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Susan, you're on the line. We appreciate you holding on. How you doing? Good. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, I live in the DSW area. And of course, my daughter has a lot of friends that she graduated with that went to RFTCU now. And the Big 12 is a very weak conference, and I want to get your thoughts. I mean, even as bad as we were this year, we didn't lose to Georgia like that. <laughs> yeah. What are your thought, thoughts about um, Texas and Oklahoma coming in? Because I'll tell you, that, that TCU group, their line, they were nothing. I mean, they look like they were playing the freshman Bart. <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude, but they're just not hosses. I mean, that Georgia line, I mean, they—it was just unbelievable. They had like deer in the mm-hmm. headlight look. Yeah, it, the, I, Georgia I, bullied them last night. They did, and I mean, anyway, you know, it was sad. It, you know, at least they could have gotten another touchdown. But I don't really think the Big Twelve is a strong conference. Bo Nix learned the Pac-12 when they came here, so I think when, what what are your feelings about? Texas and Oklahoma coming in. I think ranking the Power Five right now, I would put the Big 12 four out of five just ahead of the ACC as a whole. I would put... I disagree with that. I disagree with that big time. Because look, look, I mean, that that Big 12, look, you you can make the argument that they, yeah, they didn't have an Ohio State at the top. They didn't have a Georgia at the top, but one through ten, or like from top to bottom, that was a deep conference. I think it's a better. I think this performance, as bad as it was for TCU, I think this uh, this is more about Georgia than it is about the Big Twelve as a whole. I think that this is more about Georgia on this one night against TCU than it is about the Big Twelve as a whole. I would make the argument the the Big Twelve was the third, maybe second best conference this year. 
because you you were so deep top to bottom. Everybody in that conference could beat anybody on any given week. You don't see that in other conferences. You I mean you saw Northwestern didn't win a game for three months in the Big Ten. You saw uh, really bad Georgia Tech teams and teams like that in the ACC. You saw Missouri, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M this year in the SEC. They didn't really have that as much in the Big 12. Like, even Iowa State, they, yeah, they went like 5-7 and seven or whatever. They had a top-10 defense, and that's yeah, really, that's really comp- hard to do. But look at the competition. Look what Alabama did to Kansas State. I mean, that's what I'm trying I, to say. I, I, I agree. I mean, but, but we're also talking about Georgia and Alabama are the two most talented rosters in the country. When you look Correct. at just raw talent, and and that goes back well, to to the conversation that we had earlier on the show, where you have to be somewhat relatively in the ballpark from a talent perspective, otherwise the more talented team can go name their score, which you saw in both those games. I mean, I think you could you would put if you put that TCU team in the SEC. I don't think they win the West. I don't think they win the East. But I also don't think that they're in the bottom half of the, of the conference. I think they compete with a decent amount of teams in the SEC. I think they're an 8 and 4 team in the SEC and 9 and 3 team maybe. I mean, that, that that is a good TCU team. They just were completely outclassed athletically by Georgia in that matchup and Georgia came for for blood for four quarters. Well, they did and I, and I will say that uh Supposedly, Texas A&M has the most – last year, they had the most talented they, class. They, they had the most talented time. recruiting class. But when you look right. at the entire roster, I mean, Alabama is in a class by mm-hmm. itself. And then yeah. it's – after them, it's Georgia, Ohio State in that next group at about 78% blue-chip players on the roster. Alabama is at like 87% this past year. Yeah, and, and yeah. Susan, I want to address your Texas-Oklahoma coming to the SEC as well. That's going to make the SEC better. I mean, it, right. it's going to make the SEC better because it, if you look at it at a 20-year span, Texas and Oklahoma are going to compete. They're in national championships. They're in college football yeah. playoffs. I mean, those are historically good programs. Those are the best of the best year in, year out in the Big right. 12, and they will well, make the SEC better. Well, and, and, and again, all of your big Texas kids all want to go to UT or A&M. So mm-hmm. That's where you're getting your best recruit. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I think it, well, it's good for us in a way because you all be coming out more to Texas, have to see more games. But at the same time, it might be much more you know attractive to to recruits all over the country because they can be seen all over in different places. Yeah, I appreciate you taking my call. Thanks. Yeah, we appreciate, appreciate it, Susan. It, we appreciate you calling in. Always good to hear from you as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I'm looking at it and. Just, hey, it's I I don't think that there's a way in the world that you can say the Big Twelve is the fourth best Power Five conference right now. I think they are. I think if you line them up against the SEC, the Pac-12, Big Ten would be the question mark for me, top to bottom. But the SEC you, and the Pac-12 you, are better than the Big Twelve. Bi- the Big Twelve and Pac-12 were very close this year. We're very like. I agree, the, they're close. The, the, the Pac-12 was was pretty deep too, and it's about the strongest we've seen the Pac-12 in a long time. The Big Ten had three teams. They had three teams, and the fourth-best team was Iowa and Purdue, who were not that good. Purdue played in their championship game. Purdue is a totally different discourse about the Big Ten West this year. That was a I agree, and I said that the Big Ten would be the question mark there, but I don't think the Big 12 was great this year. They were at one time, and I agree that they're deep, but the fact that the two best teams out of the Big 12 are TCU and Kansas State, are you kidding me? The Big 12? That's why 
and those teams are the best, and yet they're not the best every year. And the SEC just went and took the two best teams from the Big Twelve. Like, no, the, well, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. Yes, yeah, I understand. When it's all said and done, yeah, the Big Twelve is not going to be that good. It it might be in a conversation with the ACC for for worst conference in a few years. Right now, that was a really deep conference. It it was. And it you, was and deep, you, and you can't yeah. deny that because I mean, you had. Oklahoma, Texas, you had TCU, you had uh, Kansas State. Kansas was good this year. Like, they were oh, Kansas was deep. Kansas was decent, and then they had a bunch of injuries. Credit to them. They did have a bunch of injuries. I they mean, started 6-0, and and then they went 6-6. Six and six. Because they had significant injuries to the team. But that, like, that, that team, when healthy, was capable of beating anybody in, in, in the Big 12. And... When you look at the Big 12 this season, like there they had 5 and 7 West Virginia, everybody above that, like they all beat somebody. The only team who really struggled was Iowa State, and Iowa State still competed with teams. Like it like they had Iowa State had a one-score game against I they beat Iowa, by the way, who was what the second best team in the Big 10 West. They were they were the worst team in the Big 12. And then you you look at it. There's one score games up and down their season. Texas, Kansas State, Kansas, Baylor. I mean, that conference is deep. It's really they're deep. deep. I agree. I agree. I just don't think they're all that great. Thirty more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll talk Auburn basketball playing Ole Miss tonight when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Auburn basketball on the road tonight for their third SEC game. They are, or their fourth SEC game, excuse me. I forget about the Florida game. It feels like forever ago since it was late December. Their fourth SEC game this year. They are on the road at Ole Miss tonight. Auburn takes their 21st uh, ranking to the road. They go over and play against Ole Miss in Oxford. Auburn, number 21 in the country, 12-3 and overall, 2-1 and in SEC play. Ole Miss, uh, not as impressive, 8-7 and overall, 0-3 in SEC play. Auburn only favored by a point and a half tonight on the road. Carter, it your was thoughts? three yesterday, so it it's dropped a point and a half. Mm-hmm. This is, look, uh, let, like, we're going to call this what this is. This Ole Miss team is not very good. I know it's a road game, and every road game is hard to win in the SEC, apparently, unless you're playing South Carolina, because what on earth? <laughs> um, but this is a an Ole Miss team that has lost seven of its last nine to Oklahoma, Memphis, UCF, North Alabama. UNA, baby. UNA. Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi State. Like, their only wins are against Temple and Valpo. Like, Auburn needs to get this win. UNA is capable of going to Oxford, Mississippi and getting a win. Auburn needs to get this win. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. This is a game where Auburn needs to walk in and they need to win the first 10 minutes and never look back. Do you think that like uh, when UNA was upsetting Ole Miss, they had like a TV screen and the Don't lion slander. pen? Don't the slander. Lion pen. So, Don't do it. So what's his name? Una could Una could watch the Una's the, the girl lion. Isn't one of them dead? Yeah. Leo. Mm. R.I.P. But... 
whatever they had to do, it worked because UNA went on the road and won. And if they can, like you said, if UNA can go and do it and win at Ole Miss, Auburn better be able to go on the road and win against Ole Miss. Now, who's going to be the player for Ole Miss tonight that just decides to have a career game and go off for 30 points? You know what's going to happen. It happens every well, time Shuler, Auburn plays. Schuler's not there anymore. Schuler's not there anymore, so, so it can't happen. It can't this, be him, but it will be somebody. Somebody will go I'm, off tonight. I'm really curious here. I'm, I'm going to try to find and see what Ole Miss's best win is on the year because I don't think it's very good. Well, they don't have very many for a start. They have eight wins. Their best win is against a 9-8 and eight Temple team. Jeez. That's really bad. Uh, and credit where credit's due, that that Temple team has turned it on in AAC play, and they're three and one. But, but here's the problem: their second best win is against a five and ten Stanford team. Jeez. But here's the problem: what worries me about that is Ole Miss is that bad, but yet Auburn's only favored by a point and a half, and ESPN's giving Auburn a fifty nine percent chance to win. Do they know something we don't? Look, I mean, it's it's road games in the SEC. That's that's. That's what this is. And but it's and it's Auburn's inconsistent play. I think has a lot to do with it as well. I mean, so, last time they went on the road, they lost to Georgia. So Ole Miss is currently they are seventy or actually hang on. I can get you an accurate number. They are seventy seventh in the Kimpom right now. Auburn is sitting at about, I think, nineteenth, if I recall correctly. Yeah, they are nineteenth. Kim Palm has Auburn winning this game 66-63. Gives them a 60% chance to win this game. Hmm. Which, which in a road game in the SEC, like, three points is a lot for Kim Palm. Like, if you look at Ole Miss defensively, they are really good. They've in I know they've lost a lot of their games, but in their last five, they're 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 solid. They've given up 64. They gave up 84 to Alabama, but we've seen that team break triple digits this year. They gave up 63 to Tennessee in a four-point loss, 66 to UNA and 55 to Temple. So, defensively, Ole Miss is solid. Offensively, that's where they struggle. Does that sound like a team you know? Sounds like Auburn, a defensive team that struggles offensively. Now, if Auburn can do what they do and feed Janai Broom in the paint, get some guys to step up and get out and get control of this game early, don't let the road environment get to you. That's what I'm saying. I think the first 10 minutes of this game are so important for Auburn. If they can get out and get to a nice 12, 15 point lead and just never look back, that's what Auburn needs to do on the road tonight. By the way, this is a game where Auburn can run the zone. Because as far as a three-point shooting team goes, Ole Miss currently ranks 336th in the country out of 363 teams. We did that. We we did that look one time. I think it's 363. So not many teams worse. They shoot 29% from three, and Auburn is currently the number three defense against against the three. Teams shoot 26.1% from deep against Auburn. Hmm, that's good. So I would expect. Tonight, you're going to see the zone in a decently heavy dose. And Auburn. I was I was impressed to see it against Arkansas and how well they did it because of how little Auburn uses the zone. They played really good zone defense. You want to know why it's also like the fact that Auburn's three-point defense is that good, it, what also helps is teams are afraid to go to the rim on Auburn because Auburn is currently third in the country in block percentage, blocking 16.7% of opponents, I guess, shots. That's really good. That's and yeah, and that'll absolutely scare people from going in the lane because it's the same thing with Walker Kessler, the defensive player of the year was down there. You can drive in there, but you're not gonna make it. And if you get it off, it's not gonna be a pretty shot most of the time. So I mean, there there's 
three guys legitimately that are very capable of blocking your shot in Jani Broom, Dylan Cardwell, and Jalen Williams. Yeah. Like those those guys are going to be down there and you're going to have to go through them. Those are guys that play consistently. If Treyor were to play more minutes, he's in that group as well. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not including him because I, I haven't seen enough consistency and enough I agree. production out of him at all. I agree, but I'm saying if he were to be a consistent player, he would be in that group of shot blockers. Not going to be elite, but he's got the length and the size to at least alter some shots when you get into the lane. But look, Auburn needs this win tonight. This is a game where you cannot lose tonight. Like This is not a game where Auburn can be okay if you walk into Oxford and don't get the win because then you come home and you play Mississippi State, that's a game you should win on Saturday night. Then you go on the road to an LSU team that is pretty darn good. And then you play South Carolina, a team that's probably the worst in the SEC. So you're going on the road and playing an LSU team here in about a week or so. They are 12-3 and overall this year. They have a win over that Arkansas team that Auburn just beat. They have a three-point loss to Kentucky, and they did drop a game to Texas A&M, who looks pretty solid. So Auburn, we've looked. We've talked about the month of January and how it is the easier half of the SEC schedule. This is the time for Auburn to build some momentum. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, South Carolina, Texas A&M, West Virginia, and then Georgia again at the 1st of February. Auburn needs to win these games. If Auburn wins their home games, Auburn has to win what? Four road games to be a top like two or three team in the SEC. I mean, if they beat Ole Miss tonight and they beat Vanderbilt, South Carolina, A&M on the road, and maybe Mississippi State, you're talking about a, the potential, if you hold serve at home, of going 14-4. and four, Which is good. 13-5, and five, Which somewhere is around there. Solid in the SEC when you have to make road trips to or when you have to play Tennessee twice, you have to play Alabama twice, you have to go to Kentucky, which we know Kentucky's not what they normally are, but they're still really good. They're favored by 19.5 points tonight against South Carolina. Well, yeah, because South Carolina's really, really, really bad. Yeah, but I'm with you. I think this, and you have to play a top 25 Missouri team. So Auburn's schedule in February is tough. Right now, Kim Palm projects Auburn to to win the Mississippi State game on the road, the LSU game on the road, the South Carolina game on the road, and I believe the A&M game on the road, and Vanderbilt. So that'd be five road conference wins. And it only has Auburn losing, and as far as individual matchups, I think one home game. And that's the final game to, right now, number two in the Kim Palm, Tennessee. Yeah, and I mean Auburn. Auburn's schedule again. It's just actually also losing to Alabama at home too. Yeah, it. The month of January is so important for this Auburn team to build some momentum, build some confidence, because the month of February is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get some wins in February. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Drawing home and aways against Alabama and Tennessee. That's rough. Turned out to be that's brutal. As difficult as it gets for Auburn, and I mean just drawing. Kentucky once, but on the road is tough. Yeah, exactly. And having to even go and just think in the middle of all that, you got to go up to West Virginia and play in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. That's not an easy thing to do either. It doesn't obviously affect your conference standings, but that does affect your record and your confidence and your resume for March. So this Auburn team starting tonight against Ole Miss, you've got to get a win. You've got to beat Ole Miss. You have to beat Mississippi State. 
You would like to beat LSU on the road. I'm not going to put that as a gimme because LSU is a talented team. South Carolina, have to win. Texas A&M, at home, have to win. On the road at West Virginia, I don't know. I would like to see Auburn win that, but I don't know if that's where they are at that point. We'll see. Home against Georgia, you better beat them by 20 is what I'm saying. You better beat Georgia by 20 when they come back to Neville Arena because that's not a good basketball team. And Auburn played really bad in Athens. Then you hit the gauntlet at Tennessee, at Texas A&M, home for Bama, home for a ranked Missouri team, at Vanderbilt, okay, home for Ole Miss, at Kentucky, at Bama, home for Tennessee. February, early March, man. If you you handle your business at home against Missouri and against Mississippi State – uh, I'm curious to see what this A&M team is. They're 2-0 in conference play right now, but they haven't exactly played the toughest competition. They've played LSU and I think, what, either Mississippi State or Ole Miss, I believe. Uh, let, let's see what they are by the time that Mississippi State road game, or the home game and the road game come around. Played Florida. Florida, that's it. So. And it was a three-point win, 66-63. So, and then they dominated LSU, beat them by 13. I, I wouldn't call it dominated. But I mean, that's, I'd, I'd call that a, a good very comfortable solid win solid win yeah um but i mean i would be i'd be curious to see just how good this auburn team can be um just because you got you got to hold serve at home as many times as you can because the alabama game february 11th and the tennessee game march 4th are going to be rather difficult that that stretch of tennessee at a, uh, at tennessee at AM, alabama at home that's really really difficult and then the stretch to finish the se- the season of at kentucky at alabama tennessee at home those are about as tough of, of a stretch as any teams in the sec play as far as a three game stretch goes auburn on the road at ole miss tonight who has to step up and play well for auburn to get a win tonight well, I think if Wendell Green and Alan Flanagan and Janai Broom play the way that they played on Saturday, Auburn will be able to very comfortably get a win. Is that a realistic expectation, though? I don't. I I think it can be. Janai Broom is going to play well. Janai Broom is the most consistent player on the team right now. Alan Flanagan's put together back-to-back solid performances. I'm not. I don't expect him to go get me 18 and eight tonight. But if he can get you 12 and six. And if Wendell Green can go get you 14 and not turn the ball over and have four or five assists and don't turn the ball over a bunch, I mean, you'll, you'll be fine there. The question is, what do you get out of KD Johnson? Because right now he's the worst player that plays significant minutes on this team. Yeah, and I think if you're Auburn tonight on the road at Ole Miss, just play you. Just play your basketball. Like You are so much more talented than this Ole Miss team. You're better coached. You have a better coach. You have more talent. You have better players. If you just do your thing and play your basketball, you can hold this Ole Miss team to 50 points and you can score 65 and Auburn's going to be just fine. So feed Janai Broom. Use Wendell Green. He does not need to turn the ball over. If he can do that, Alan Flanagan can have a solid game. I'm not going to say I need him to have a big game again, but I'm with you. If you can go and get 12 and 6 or 8 and 6 or whatever get get some points get some boards don't turn the ball over mm-hmm. don't be an ATM Trey Donaldson I think needs to play more I think he's just not getting consistent minutes I know his stats have not looked good but he's also not playing a whole lot so I want him to get in some more I'm going to continue to to preach that until it happens but feed Janai Broom tonight mm-hmm. feed him do your thing don't mess around and go to Oxford and lose this game because you're better than this team you're better in all aspects of the game 
than Ole Miss. Auburn, this is a game where you've got to win. You've got to win. You can come home, play, and prepare for Saturday against Mississippi State. That game is 7.30 on the SEC Network. You and Jack will be going live for after the game on Saturday. Not tonight, but on Saturday. You guys will be going after mm-hmm. the game late, uh, about 9.45 or so here on ESPN 106.7, so be sure you tune in for that. Auburn on the road at Ole Miss tonight. Later tip, 8 o'clock. Uh, I've seen it. ESPNU is what it's looking like, according to the ESPN website. So uh, I saw ESPN earlier, and now I'm seeing ESPNU. So. Yeah, it's on ESPNU. Okay, so Auburn at Ole Miss, 8 o'clock, ESPNU. Um We'll talk about it tomorrow. When we come back, we'll talk some other college basketball games going on around the country and around the SEC. We'll wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. Been a great show. If you missed any of it, be sure to go and find the podcast. You can find it uh, ESPNAU.com. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for On the Line. You can find it commercial-free right after the show. Of course, Auburn on the road at Ole Miss tonight. Uh, There are some really good games in college basketball and around the SEC tonight. Uh, You've got Michigan State, Wisconsin in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, uh, number 18 in the country. Michigan State, after a slow start, they have bounced back quite nicely. Uh, You have Oklahoma and Kansas. Not that Oklahoma's great, but uh, they are 10-5, taking on Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, You do have... North Carolina and Virginia, so that'll be a big one. Not a ton of ranked games tonight, uh, but uh, Texas Tech and Iowa State, that's another sneaky good game out in the Big 12. So some fun games. Tennessee Vanderbilt is tonight in the SEC. I don't expect that one to be all that exciting. Tennessee favored by 18 points, so... Don't yeah, expect that Tennessee's one to be super close. Year. Yeah, Tennessee's really good. Vanderbilt, not so much. They are 8-7, and seven, but I will be... Looking forward to North Carolina and Virginia. North Carolina, 11-5. Virginia, number 13 in the country at 11-3. They play the most boring brand of basketball you'll ever watch. But it is a fun atmosphere times, and it's a fun matchup. North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, Virginia favored by 4.5 over North Carolina. So decent games going on tonight, but the big one, obviously, for us is Auburn and Ole Miss. Does Auburn get it done on the road tonight, Carter? I think they do. I think they do, and I think they look pretty good doing it. I think that they uh, they play well. Um, I think that they give this this Ole Miss team a lot of trouble uh, on the offensive end, and I think that Bruce uh, finally has an easy one against one of the couple thorns in his side in this conference in Kermit Davis, because I think I think time is running out on the Kermit Davis tenure at Ole Miss. Yeah, well, just think about how hard it is to be successful at Ole Miss basketball, right? I mean, look, Ole Miss is one of those schools where they're always going to be there, but they're never going to be it, if that makes sense, in my opinion. And especially with Ole Miss basketball, where all of the money that Ole Miss gets goes to football and baseball. So basketball kind of gets pushed to the side, I feel like, and With that being said, though, you're right. Ole Miss and Kermit Davis have been one of those programs that have really tripped up Bruce Pearl at times. And a week ago, we sat here and and talked about Auburn going on the road to Georgia, and we both predicted Auburn to win by double digits and look pretty good doing so. You have Auburn going on the road tonight looking good doing so and getting a win against Ole Miss. 
I do as well. Uh, I think Auburn is just they're just better, man. They're just they're a better team. They have better talent. I don't think Ole Miss is going to score very much. Not saying that Auburn's going to score a lot either, but this will be a very low scoring game. The total for this is one thirty three. Uh, so not very high scoring according to the betters out in Las Vegas. So I think Auburn wins. I think they'll break seventy, maybe get like seventy four, seventy two. I'll put it at. I'll put Auburn seventy two. Ole Miss 59. That's what I'm going to go with. 72-59, Auburn beats Ole Miss 10 out on the road. That's my prediction. That's a lot of points there for for Auburn. I mean, the, the over-under this game is 133. I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I think Auburn wins this game. You don't think Auburn breaks 70? I think Auburn wins this game 67-59. Um, my score is still under. 72-59, it's 131. 72 just feels like a lot for, for Auburn in this game on the road. It does. I just think Deny Broom's going to dominate, and I think you're going to see some guards score. I think you're going to see a lot of people get involved in score. Ole Miss has a decent defense. I ran through some of their opponents' totals a little bit ago, but I don't know. I just think Auburn. I think Auburn's going to turn over Ole Miss defensively and get some transition points with guys like Katie Johnson, maybe Wendell Green, Allen Flanagan, Trey Donaldson, even Janine Broom, maybe even Trey Orr, if he's able to kind of get going a little bit tonight. I just think Auburn's going to dominate defensively and really turn over Ole Miss, especially if they full court press. And yeah, I think Auburn, I'm going 72 59, and that's 131, which is still under because I just don't think Ole Miss is going to score on Auburn. They can't score anyway, and I think Auburn's definitely going to make sure they don't score. So. I think I think Auburn should have a size advantage down low and at least an experience advantage, and I think that uh, they will they will play well in this game. Well, if you're looking for something to listen to before you watch the Auburn game, by the way, hmm. just looking at Ole Miss's roster, random note, um, they got a senior Ford, a transfer from Louisiana, played at Brew Baker Tech. Oh, well, there you go. That's kind of just random note. Random note. That is very random. Look, if you're looking for something to listen to before the Auburn Ole Miss game tonight, tune into AU100, that's 100.3, or AU100FM.com. Carter and I will be over at Lee Scott Academy as they take on Chambers Academy tonight in girls and boys basketball as they get ready and prepare to go on the road Thursday to Glenwood. Obviously, big rival there. So if you're looking for something, we will go on the air at 545 for the Varsity Girls, and the Varsity Boys will be right after for Lee Scott Academy basketball on AU100 over on the Lee Scott Sports Network. So if you're looking for something to listen to, we we uh, we would appreciate you tuning in tonight, and we will do that. I'll be on the road Thursday for Glenwood, so lots of Lee Scott athletics going on right now. But we'll talk Auburn basketball tomorrow. We'll talk more Auburn football recruiting, and we'll have Christian Clemente joining us from Auburn 247, talking all things recruiting. That'll be tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.